Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Paul. <laughs> Welcome to episode 62, guys. This week, we're going to be glorifying the best unlicensed doctor of the MTV generation. Hey, Brian, you ever wish you could swap out two blue pills for a blue-yellow capsule? Ooh, um... I think I walked into the wrong party, guys. I- I'm just going to go ahead and go home. What's the matter? Now. You don't know how to party? <laughs> Get back here. We're talking about Dr. Mario, the most widely recognized pill pusher of our childhood. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Introducing oh, our children no, to I pharmaceuticals never... since 1990. <laughs> oh, I never thought of it that way before. Yeah, huh? yeah. You can actually, um, you know, play Dr. Mario in your parents' bathroom, so that should be fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> But before we get too far underway, I'm sure you all recognize that friendly voice of our, our good pal Dan from BC. Uh, he's here to chat with us about Dr. Mario. So how the heck have you been, Dan? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Just got back from our camping trip in Tennessee, and I'm proud to say that I managed to avoid getting uh, poison ivy from doing my business. So I can call it a oh, win. That, oh. That's a good thing. That is a good hey, thing. <laughs> that, that's better than I would have done. I would have gotten it the first day. Yeah, but you do it on purpose. <laughs> hey, hey, don't shame me, baby. <laughs> We're a very, uh, you know, irritant positive podcast. So if you're into rashes, that's your thing, man. That's your thing. So, <laughs> Well, that went off the deep end. <laughs> or up the deep end. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, if you missed our last episode, you should really check it out. When the gang, Neva, and I talked about the Phantom of the Opera, you can find that and all of our past episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcast. I find mine in Brian's Change Pocket. My, my, my coin purse? That might be a whole yes. different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those podcasts are nuts, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, that's not uh, Bert's bees you're finding in there. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> uh. All right, well, we're going to sack this one, guys. Um, so remember, <laughs> we are going to pick the next episode's topic at the end of the show. It's going to be Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! That's right. Me and the metal gods, Judas Priest versus Adam and Happy Gilmore. We'll also visit our old friend, the Hopper of Imagination, to get another topic for Paul. So, Paul, tell us about Dr. Mario. So, Dr. Mario, I'm going to set the stage. It's 1990. Most of us are walking at this point. Um, at least <laughs> oh, the people big here. man can walk. Bloody <laughs> die, you can walk at four. You, you, don't need, <laughs> you don't need to walk to play Dr. Mario. <laughs> and that's where I'm going with it first. So, what historic event that forever changed our childhoods happened in 1990? Uh, the Berlin Wall? Was that was 90? 90? I thought was that was 91. 89. Oh, 89. 89. 89. You're right. Well, clearly that wasn't it, because none of us know the date. <laughs> <laughs> I know the date. It's 1989. That's what I just said. Quiet intern. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. He's right. It was, it was November of 89. He's right. 
If you guys, <laughs> if you guys keep treating me this way, I'm going to demand a pay cut. I mean, pay, pay raise. I don't know. Oh, pay something. cut. We can make that happen. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Director. Zero. Yeah, I was going to say twenty percent pay cut. Don't do it by zero, man. Don't do it by zero. <laughs> no, nineteen ninety is the year that Nintendo released the original Game Boy, the big gray brick. Ooh. Oh, oh. I, the thing I definitely if you had still one of those. I was not even in that ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> we're not playing ball. Yeah, yeah like, we're, we're where were about the Winter games. Olympics that year? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here's the like best Placid, part. Maybe I don't remember. <laughs> I changed pages in my notes, and just like the Berlin Wall, the Game Boy was actually eighty nine. Oh, <laughs> sad day, sad day. But I suddenly, my had... walking joke makes more sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I definitely remember that old Game Boy. I, I had one of those. You had the green screen with no backlight, so you had to have the lights on to play it. Um, eventually they came out with something that you could connect to the top of it. Um, mm-hmm. Oh my it gosh. literally looked like one of those crazy claws and you would stick it to the top and it had a magnifying glass with lights wrapped around the inside of it. Yes. That thing was substantial too. I mean, yes, it was. I, it I remember was... having the original Game Boy and being very frustrated to not have a light because I'd always have to, you know, do the blanket trick with the flashlight over your uh-huh. you know, oh, and yeah. I would get caught every single time. And it was amazing when once uh, handheld games actually had a light built in with yep. it. <laughs> yep. I remember uh, going up to my grandmother's house and trying to play a Game Boy. And on the drive up, it was never a problem because it would be like, you know, middle of the afternoon going up for Thanksgiving dinner or whatever. But we would be leaving around like eight o'clock, nine o'clock or whatever. And it would be pitch black. And they live middle of nowhere in northern Michigan. And so you'd be driving back and literally you'd have a street light about every half a mile. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here we go. Yoshi. Yeah. All right. Oh, no. Okay, we're done. Okay, here we go, Yoshi. All right, here we- oh, we're done. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that's no problem if you're driving fast enough. Uh, yeah, as I say, if you're driving a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> Dad, can you go faster? I can't keep up with the game. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I was going to say that was always the one and only flaw that I ever found with that console is when you were coming back from Grandma's in the middle of the night. I was going to say the exact same thing: is yep. trying to be able to see it. But we all had that one game that we could almost play by sound. Like, Mm -hmm. you just needed the little bit of a shadow and you were good. Metroid, Mm -hmm. I think it was Metroid 2, Return of Samus or something like that was on the Game Boy. Oh, man, I played that game for hours. Link's Awakening, baby. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Great music in that game, too. Yeah. I love the MIDI. (laughs) There is something kind of uh, pleasant about the old MIDI soundtracks. The 8-bit I agree. soundtracks. Yep. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Do you guys remember what game was bundled with the original Game Boy when we all got it? Tetris? I think it was, it te- was. I think it was Tetris, wasn't it? Yeah. Tetris. It was. The original Game Boy was bundled with Tetris. And I think for most of us, that was the first Game Boy game we ever played. At least for me, you know, you know, my parents, when they bought me the Game Boy, whatever they dropped on it, I forget the retail price of it. But it comes with a game. You got to beat this one before you get more. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Right. <laughs> Tetris was the game that I played for probably the first six months that I owned my Game Boy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think my folks realized that it was more like a Nintendo than it was 
what they had uh, equated it to was like the Tiger handheld games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like so, the little, yeah, beats, the the little things that just barely moved on on this painted screen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like, and there was games like Yahtzee and things like that with not a lot of moving parts. Eventually, they started doing things that were a little bit more complicated, like Space Invader and Joust and things yeah. like that. But for the most part, it was very much a single lock screen, like a calculator game almost. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why we had Tetris forever. Um, and then I don't think it was until the next year at Christmas we got like three or four more games. But for like a year, that's all we had was Tetris. Um, and then we got something like Radar Challenge or Radar Battle or something like that. It's basically Battleship. Um, <laughs> and then, Did you have to play it with the link cable or pass it back and forth? Pass it back and forth. I don't think we didn't have the link cable until we got Pokemon. And that was like several years after that. So... Yeah. So fun fact that I learned, if you bought the original Game Boy, it came with a link cable. And the reason was for two player Tetris. Oh, I did not know. When I say the original, I mean, like the actual release one. Apparently, uh, in the, you know, upcoming releases, uh, Nintendo realized they needed to make money on this because it was relatively inexpensive in comparison for what it cost to manufacture. So Uh they started taking the accessories away and making you charge extra. Of course, as they as companies do. But leave it to Nintendo to come up with a great concept because the link cable was, you know, to be able to play a handheld game two player was huge foresight in 1989. Sure. Yeah let alone to bundle it with a game that supported that, uh, it's very forward thinking. But do you know what the problem with uh, Tetris being bundled with the Game Boy was? Uh, no idea. Was it a licensing issue? It's not a licensing issue per se, unless, you, unless you're Nintendo, perhaps. Ah. So <laughs> Nintendo does not own Tetris. Yeah, oh. that's right. Wasn't it... So, in- wasn't it invented like Russia or something? Yeah. Yes. I have no idea how to pronounce this person's name. I can spell it if you like. Their first name is Alexi, which I find kind of sexy. So I'll go with that. <laughs> sexy Alexi. Uh, but like Alexi Tetris started as a arcade game. It had already had a NES release by the time it came to the Game Boy. But the game had started to slow in popularity with the uh, arcades dying down. So the distributor, desperate to expose their game to the market, agreed to have Nintendo bundle it with their console as just, you know, general merchandise and exposure. Uh And this completely backfired for Nintendo because as new Tetris iterations came out or replacement cartridges were bought or what have you, uh, they weren't making any money from it other than the fact that it was played on their platform. Hmm. That seems like something Nintendo would not be happy about. Agreed. So, in the true Nintendo fashion, like they always do, what was Nintendo's solution to this problem? Make a knockoff! Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And slap Mario's face on it. Exactly. (laughs) Take a game that's nearing completion that you're not sure about, uh, we'll give it a five cent makeover, uh, and we'll call it Super Mario Bros. 2, and it can ship next week. (laughs) Uh, But close, because that is essentially what they did to create Dr. Mario, except for the game was not already in production. It had been previously proposed, but it had not been acted on. And suddenly they realized that um, when they entered the handheld market, that there were also casual gamers uh, that were, you know, 
hungry for these puzzle style games. So as a quick uh, as a quick rush to market in 1990, they released. Uh, Dr. Mario, and it was designed mainly for the Game Boy. That was the primary release, but they published it everywhere. It hit the SNES, or it hit not the SNES, it hit the NES. Uh-huh. Um, it hit the arcades, and of course the Game Boy. And then every system thereafter has had some sort of either like classic mode where you could play it as a mini game of another cartridge. Or a new release like the Android release that we saw this past year with Dr. Mario World, which is killing it, at least on the Android market, uh, for people buying the stupid little hearts so they can keep playing the game when they lose. Uh. Yeah, I hear that's the same thing on the iOS model, too. Um, I I was watching a a review on that actually today to prepare for this episode, and it sounds like the gameplay is fairly fun, but not nearly as fun as it is expensive. So (laughs) (laughs) it's half as fun as it is expensive. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So unlike Tetris, where you are trying to, you know, fit as many blocks as you can into a square without touching the top. Um, in Dr. Mario, you are throwing vitamins. I did not know this until I was researching it is uh, you are throwing vitamins into a human body. Oh. So the playboard on uh, uh, Dr. Mario, it's a rectangle, but then it has like a little oblong shape at the top, and it's supposed to be a throat. And oh you my are gosh. literally cramming pills <laughs> inside of the wow. person. That, that takes the game to a whole new level, because before I thought it was just a pill bottle, but now it's like, oh, you're shoving pills down somebody's throat who may be having a life uh l- life illness that could kill them to happy music oh that's amazing so the original tetris only had uh one classic song that came with the original cartridge which sounds as uh, russian as the guy who made the game like <laughs> exactly do 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 like it's so i love that song. oh it's amazing but it's so it incredible the ultimate earworm oh yeah so like soviet harmonic minor it's intense <laughs> <laughs> we had a tetris tournament at work a couple of years ago and we were playing um one of the newer tetrises on uh it was on the super nintendo and it didn't have that song so we muted the tv and someone was just playing a <laughs> Any of that through the whole thing. Oh, I thought you were saying they just did what we just did and just like hummed it and just hummed it. That would have been more acceptable. That'd be fun with drinking vodka. <laughs> so of course for Dr. Mario, Nintendo's like, we gotta one up them. We're gonna do two songs. Oh. And you could choose them from the options menu of the start screen. Do you remember what those two songs were? Yes, Fever and Chill. Yes. Oh, dang. Wow. Dan and Freebird. With... You, you get Freebird. <laughs> <laughs> that one just never anyway, stops. Here's Wonderwall. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was, saying, <laughs> nice. I was, saying, I, I was I wondering why re- they didn't have Dr. Feelgood on the soundtrack. You know, that, that would have been perfect. <laughs> the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> now, what's the one they always play on uh, Thanksgiving so the DJ gets like 20 oh, minutes uh, of Alice's Restaurant? Alice's yeah. Restaurant. So even though Nintendo went above and beyond and they managed to cram uh, two 8-bit midis into a, you know, 
200k Game Boy cartridge. <laughs> uh, neither of those songs are as memorable as the Tetris One theme song because I've played it even this week in preparation for this episode, and I still couldn't hum the music for you if I had to. Yeah. So <laughs> those first couple bars are pretty catchy. Um, That's but, true. But yeah, but as it goes on, you don't remember all of it. But like Tetris. I could literally hum you the entire thing right now. I've already hummed, you know, a third of it, you know, today <laughs> on this recording. But, um, but like, you know, it's it's so ingrained in my brain. There's got to be some type of, you know, David playing to the Lord's secret chord, hallelujah type thing going on there. Because it literally just gets implanted in your brain on a completely different level than any other video game song I've ever heard. Wonder what would happen if you played it backwards. <laughs> Drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> like what? <laughs> That's a funny commercial. <laughs> Paul's dead, huh? <laughs> so the gameplay of Dr. Mario is um, you take the vitamins and you have to line up the same colors together in front of a virus with a matching color, which is almost equally as funny when you think about the fact it was a green screen. Yet for some reason, we all remember them as colors. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. crazy. I think because the first one I played was for the SNES. Um, and that very well could be because it got released everywhere. But I know that on the Game Boy, in my head, I always picture them as, you know, being colored. Yeah. Uh, to match up with it, but it was a monoc- It was a monochrome screen. Yeah. So how could they be? Colored? That's funny because I I played Doctor Mario on the Game Boy, but I didn't play it first. I actually played it on the regular Nintendo first, and then started playing the Game Boy. And I always thought of it as being colored too. But yeah, of course, how could it be colored on the original Game Boy? That's crazy. <laughs> that's so, one of those. Uh, you can. That's one of those uh, Mandela effect things. Yeah, <laughs> but the thing I'm glad you said it because I was trying to think of what the heck that was called. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I couldn't come up with it. But that's where I was the, going, and I completely the, agree. The, the other name being that stupid one that ruined the Berenstain Bears for me. <laughs> never been able to look at the, the same again no joke i legit almost had an existential crisis the day i realized that it was not berenstein bears <laughs> it's like that uh that meme with macho man randy savage like sitting on the dock or whatever just like staring off it's like yeah. really pondering life <laughs> what's going on with these berenstein bears brother <laughs> oh yeah step into a slip gym so <laughs> So for Dr. Mario, this is all starting to make a lot more sense and a lot less sense at the same time, because yes. I now understand why he didn't necessarily need to be a licensed practitioner, because if he's prescribing vitamins, they're not even FDA approved. So it totally <laughs> makes sense in that regard. But at the same time, if you have a virus, you're really not going to be able to treat them with, with vitamins. vitamins. Like I know that people say vitamin C helps with like the cold and in and a fever and things like that. But it doesn't really. <laughs> I think that's kind of an old wives tale. <laughs> and, and we don't even know what's in these vitamins either. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're armed with mega vitamins and I'll get there in a second. Uh, before I forget the one last th- two things I want to cover on the actual gameplay. 
so you could go from level 0 to 20, uh, which screw you, Tetris, which went from 0 to 100. <laughs> Where uh, my anxiety started. <laughs> <laughs> so with Dr. Mario, your difficulty was from 0 to 20, but your virus count can go as high as 84 on level 20 if you pass level 20. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. So even though you can set the difficulty between 0 and 20, there's actually uh, another 20 levels beyond what you set the highest difficulty at. Dang. And it will just wow. keep going up until there are 84 viruses. And I can tell you that I consider myself to be a pretty good retro gamer. It's where I spend a lot of my time. I have never <laughs> seen 84 damn viruses in the screen. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you would put them. <laughs> yeah. I want to go back and just count the pixels and see if I can even figure out how to, you know, mash them in there. Yeah. <laughs> Save it up for a rainy weekend. Yeah, because I mean, I, I can't even imagine how much space would be left to actually insert like the, the pill blocks, you know. Like it can't it can't yeah. be many. <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. So going back to your question about uh, why he doesn't need to be licensed. So Nintendo actually covered this. Uh, they released a comic book. Oh, wow! Did it did it come out on like that the the Nintendo Power? It magazine? did not. Apparently, Nintendo had a comic book series that you could subscribe to via Nintendo Power. So you needed the. You needed the subscription card to the subscription card to get to the comic book series. <laughs> he, you needed the comic to get to the comic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you had to have a game genie to get the code to even get the subscription <laughs> in the first place. So ridiculous. <laughs> and probably at the back of the comic, you probably need to subscribe again so they send you next month's comic. <laughs> uh, so the comic was called uh, Nintendo System Channel. That was the name of the comic book series, and it came out every month, and they had various comics of all of your favorite Nintendo-owned properties, Mario, Yoshi, so on and so forth. But for the case of Dr. Mario at release, they did a whole backstory, like a four-part issue. And in Dr. Mario, uh, Dr. Mario works in a virus research lab at the Mushroom Kingdom Hospital. And I'm going to pause there because I know they're in the Mushroom Kingdom, but Mushroom Kingdom Hospital sounds like something you'd see on like Chicago Hope or uh, ER or, you know, it's a uh, it's a holistic approach. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a holistic (laughs) approach to medicine. Um, (laughs) It's like your body and your mind, man. Man. (laughs) I never even thought of it that way. I can taste colors. Psychology, psychodynamic, (laughs) psychedelic. It's all the same, man. (laughs) So Dr. Mario works in a virus research lab. So maybe he is a licensed or at least accredited doctor. Um, I mean, you know, he probably didn't go to a medical school in our world, but maybe in, you know, Brazil or whatever the <laughs> the pirate ship level in Super Mario Brothers 3. I bet they had doctors there. Or it's, med like in, uh, it's like an idiocracy where the, the best law school is in Costco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> so they're experimenting along with Nurse Toadstool who I'm assuming is Princess Toadstool. Uh, When the experiment goes wrong, the hospital is flooded with tricolor viruses. Ooh. 
And I wish I could actually find the comic to read it, because reading the synopsis, when I hear about two people experimenting, you get drugs involved, and then suddenly there's a massive infection. For some reason, children's games is not what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking more Half-Life now. I don't... See, I was thinking more Summer of Love. <laughs> you're going there. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. So in response to the outbreak, armed with mega vitamins, a Ooh. medicine of his own invention, so clearly some medical training, Dr. Mario sets out to neutralize the outbreak. Hmm. Okay. So, um, by that, I assume he's going from cadaver to cadaver and jamming pills down our throat based on what we've seen in gameplay. <laughs> I haven't been able to read the comics, so I don't know for sure. <laughs> This is only going to hurt a little bit. Jam, jam, jam. <laughs> Do you need a glass of water? Too bad. <laughs> and I, so, I think it's strange that none of the vitamins are even remotely Flintstone shaped. That's well, true. Well, that just means they're not the good kind of vitamins. That's right. That's right. I was, I was just going to say, this goes back to the licensing issue. <laughs> right. <laughs> We do know they're capsules, though, because they have uh, multicolored sides and they have the break in the middle. Mm. But for some reason, they never split them. You take the whole thing <laughs> and it's thrown at you. Never forget, it's thrown at you. <laughs> thrown at you. <laughs> Mario's up in the corner and he's actually throwing it. <laughs> well, seems helpful. And he's, he's looking down this patient. He's calling for a slider. <laughs> and pitch. <laughs> Strike! <laughs> <laughs> so following the commercial success of the game, uh, Nintendo went back and they re-released the Game Boy with a special cartridge that bundled Tetris and Dr. Mario together <laughs> on the same That's cartridge. Awesome. Interesting. <laughs> as That's the awesome. ultimate FU to Tetris for saying, hey, you gave us your game for free and we appreciate it, so we're still going to get it out there for you, but we're going to put our game that you know we make money with on there as well. <laughs> so, I like it. That launched a whole series of games. It was released on the NES the same time as I said. Uh, there's been an SNES. There was Dr. Mario 64 that I think came out as late as 2001. I didn't even realize they were still making wow. uh, 64 games in 2001. Um, Wario Land 3 uh, had various game modes and uh, mini games, and they had a Wario themed Dr. Mario, as well as the classic that you can play. Um, and it even had like a uh, story focused mode that probably walked you through more of the storyline that was outlined in the comics. And I kind of wish I could go back and play that as well. So I had a little more information on it. Um it's, there have been several uh, Nintendo puzzle collection games, uh, which included it, uh, GameCube, and there was Dr. Mario uh, RX Online, which you could play on the Wii against other people. Interesting. Now, during COVID-19, wow. has Dr. Mario offered a teleservice at all, you know, virtual appointments? Or? <laughs> it is. You can get it on your smartphone oh, okay, or tablet today. Wow. Okay. Um, and you have to spend money if you fail. <laughs> oh, jeez. Shocking. That, you get three <laughs> tries to pass a level, and then you have to buy hearts. That, that seems weird. No other games on the mobile platform or anything seem to do that model of making you pay to win. No, no, of course not. It's not, not a pay. See, I, here's what I will say with Nintendo, though. So their model is it's more like pay to stress you out. Because if you keep winning, you can keep going. You don't have to spend money to keep playing the game but if you fail 
three times on a certain level, then you can either buy hearts and keep going, or you have to have a cooldown period where you wait three hours for like your stamina to come back before you can continue fighting viruses. It's During really that time, ingenious you on that. Get a lot of Gatorade, drink electrolytes, you know. Basically, exactly. Basically being hung over from Stretch uh, your thumbs. That's right. See, that never made sense to me because when I'm playing those games, I want to play them then. I don't want to wait three hours to play and I'm not going to spend money. So most of the time that actually discourages me from playing a game because as soon as I'm out of lives, I'm like, well, I'm not going to play it again. And, and I'm, it, I'm very similar to you, although I don't mind just turning it off. In fact, I kind of like the fact that it makes me do it because then I have to put it away instead of staying up later and not sleeping. <laughs> but um, I will say, I think what the target audience for it is uh, for this type of game is there's a whole market of casual gamers where this is the only thing they've ever known. Uh, some of them are our yeah. parents who, you know, came into video games on the smartphone market as yep. opposed to playing consoles like when yep. we did. Candy Crush uh, and Words with Friends. and yep. e- Exactly. So, like, they yep. came into it later and that's the only model of play style they've ever experienced. So they don't have the expectation that these things should be free. That, and they have a pension, yeah. too, which is <laughs> something we will never have. So. <laughs> Candy Crush is a lot cheaper when you have a, you know, you just pull out of your retirement to keep playing. <laughs> <sighs> you don't need no stinking retirement. <laughs> That's funny that you think you're going to live long enough to retire <laughs> i was gonna say my retirement plan uh involves one of my children being successful <laughs> <laughs> i i think that's most people's yeah. retirement plan the right ultimate now. beast master <laughs> <laughs> they give you fifty thousand dollars for winning that show man <laughs> nothing to sneeze at <laughs> So taking a journey back to 1990, if we go back to the initial release of Dr. Mario. So with Tetris, even though the Game Boy version was the one I played the most, my favorite version of Tetris was the one that you could find in the arcade. And in the arcade version, you could play it two player. Are you guys familiar with the concept of not the Game Boy Link Cable, but the arcade style of two two player Tetris? I don't think I am. Yeah, so I don't for, know if I've ever played it. Yeah. So for every row that you clear by lining up the blocks, it takes that row and moves it and to puts, the opposing oh, yeah. player's screen. Oh, that that's I, awesome. Oh, I that's do rem- dirty pool. That is badass. <laughs> dirty Games pool like Caddyshack. Very quick. <laughs> They end in swearing, and there's seldom a line at the Tetris machine, which is why I became very good at it. <laughs> so That's how friendships end right there. I was going to say, I, how, how many friends did you st- end up with after <laughs> playing those games? <laughs> well, you see, Dan, I, when I went to the arcade, I didn't really typically go with friends. I went with one or two quarters, and I would just look for someone that was already frustrated, and I would just put my ar- quarter on the arcade machine, and they could either accept <laughs> it as a challenge, or they could move the hell out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> And that's how you played arcade. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. Paul's hustling uh, other kids when he's like five years old. So, so just kind of inside baseball. What, what arcades did you go to, Paul? So I went to Flippers. Uh, I uh-huh. went to oh, yeah. when we were older, Kahunaville in uh, yeah. the mall. Uh, which yep. I don't know if Kahunaville was a national franchise or it's just one of those things. Um, 
Flippers was by far my favorite. There was a place uh, called Nickelodeon with the actual nickel oh. spelled out um, that was up by my cabin, my parents' cabin, that my parents would basically go to the bar and they would just give me like $4 and kick me out in front of Nickelodeon and then pick me up later. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so I spent many, many hours in Nickelodeon, uh, JR's Roller Castle, and it goes on and on. In fact, I will post a picture at some point. I have a trash bag filled with stuffed animals from Crane Machines. If I... If I if oh, someone asked me what my hidden talent was, it it I'd have to say it's crane machines. I really hate them, but after you've played every single game in a twenty year old arcade over and over again, at least if you empty the crane machine, it's kind of like sticking it to the man because then they have to buy new stuff. <laughs> that's the ten year old. You were just that's the ten year old version of me sticking it to the man. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, for those people not from West Michigan, Kahunaville was essentially like a rainforest cafe, but it was like Hawaiian themed as opposed to like, you know, South America or African themed. But half of the place was an arcade as opposed to a gift shop. And it was was like on the opposite side of the so the restaurant was on one side of the uh the yeah yeah so there was like the main the main exit that went out to the parking garage was right there yeah on either side of the hallway you either had the restaurant on one side which was you had all the vines hanging from the ceiling and tiki torches and stuff like that and then the other side like adam said was where they had skee ball and they had you know area 51 and mortal Kombat and all of that Uh, stuff my my game was contra sniper one Oh, yeah. Yeah, the sniper. The one where you actually, like, have the sniper rifle and it zooms in on the screen for you and you have to snipe people. I was terrible at that that game so bad. Silent Scope 1 and 2, I'm terrible at. At least at Kahunaville, Silent Scope EX, I had the hide score until they closed and they wouldn't let me buy the machine because I found out it was rented. Oh, Oh, man. But I tried. I tried so That's disappointing. hard. Paul, if you would have gotten that game, I never would have left your house. Well, here's I- the funny <laughs> thing, Adam, is I actually did buy a copy of the game and I have the rifle and I'm pretty sure you've watched me play it or have at least joined me in it. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> And he went home anyway. You're so full. How many vitamins did he have? (laughs) (laughs) All right, shut it down, guys. I'm going over to Paul's house to play (laughs) Silent Scope. I own uh, Silent Scope and House of the Dead 2 and 3 are the only light gun games that I own. It is the only reason that I still maintain a CRT television, because if you're unfamiliar, uh, light guns, like what we used to play on Duck Hunt for the Nintendo, they don't work Uh on an LCD TV because the light doesn't refract so the gun doesn't know where it hit there's no no bounce back so if you want to play those classic arcade games and i don't know if you've noticed if you go to a newer arcade like a dave and busters and you play the newer ones it always seems like the guns are slightly off or they have to be recalibrated constantly Mm -hmm. and that's because they're using like a wii sensor bar to track the motion effectively and uh they have to be recalibrated on a weekly basis or they start to drift or things get messed up whereas the original light guns i mean they were pinpoint precision it knew exactly where it hit on the screen and because of that i still keep one crt screen specifically for house of the dead 2 3 and silent scope ex they just don't make things like they used to 
They don't, but fortunately, you can still find them at Goodwill, or better yet, at the dumpster behind Goodwill, because Goodwill doesn't <laughs> take them anymore. And so people will bring them to recite, be recycled, and Goodwill will say, sorry, we don't take that, um, but you can call the service and pay to have it recycled. And they say, okay, yeah, I'll do that, and then they throw it behind the building. So if you really need a TV, that's where you go. I do have to say, other than the fact that the light guns worked with it, thank God we are past the era of CRT TVs because those oh things God. are so ridiculously heavy. Oh, yeah. Especially when you have to move as many times as I did when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I forget if we've mentioned it on air before, but uh, back in the day, I used to have two CRT TVs in my basement Neither of them was bigger than probably 30 to 35 inches, and those things probably weighed 200 pounds each. Oh, easily. <laughs> easily. Yeah. yeah. And Whereas, I'm just speculating, but I'm guessing the reason you had two, because the bottom one was the Fisher that had the stereo cabinet style. Yes. And yeah. when it died, nobody wanted to move it, so you just put the new TV on top of it and used it like a cabinet. Am I am I correct? Because yeah, the built-in yeah. speakers was the heaviest component. Like, that yeah. was yeah. so You're heavy. You're pretty close. Uh, the, we, we put them side by side. Because the one that we used after it was too big to put on top of it. It would have tipped over because of the weight on the back. But you are you, you had it 99% correct, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody had a scenario similar to that. Wherever oh, that yeah. Fisher TV was that was in the full cabinet, it stayed yep. there till your grandparents died and then you paid a just, guy. Like that yep. was, just put a blanket over it and then set another TV on top of it. Oh, and I don't know anybody of our age group that doesn't have a good story about being maimed by a TV when they were trying to go up the stairs, down the stairs, through uh -huh. a door. The doorways oh, yeah. were the worst. Especially oh, yeah. the cabinet ones where your fingers couldn't fit. I know oh, we've yeah, talked about God. this on air before, but I don't think Dan was on that particular episode, although I'm sure he's heard this story. Um, my dad, when he and my mom first split, um, they got divorced when I was about nine, and the first thing he bought for himself in his new apartment was like a 64-inch Mitsubishi TV. Oh, and crap. That thing was colossal. Um, <laughs> Needed a Tonka truck to <laughs> yeah. get in here. And um, so when I moved out to the D.C. area, he had just bought himself a new uh, flat-screen TV. He's like, I don't have a use for this TV. Why don't you take it? It's like, okay. So I took that. And we used it for a couple of years, but you couldn't hook up, you know, a Roku or an Apple TV or anything to it because there were no form of HDMI or, you know, VGA or any type of cable connection. So the amount of like adapters you would need to use to go from VGA to, you know, standard whatever to uh, RCA cable, like it would have been crazy. So we ended up taking it to my in-laws house and my buddy uh, had a pickup truck and he helped us bring it from our place in Maryland down to their house in Virginia. And we got to the landing and to try and turn the corner, I lost my balance and stuck my head through their drywall. Um, <laughs> and I guess I didn't realize how bad it was because it's like, oh, I'm fine. I can stand. I'm like, well, I'm whatever. And so my way of repaying my friend was like, I'll take you out for dinner. We'll have a couple drinks and stuff like that. We went to this place called Hard Times Cafe, which there's still a couple of them around the D.C. area. But it was a place that was just like kind of a hole-in-the-wall bar franchise that specialized in chili and chili dogs and stuff like that. And uh, I had about a third of one beer and was loopy as hell. And that's when I realized, 
I probably have a concussion. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Might want to go see a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do. Dr. Mario, in fact. <laughs> Dr. Mario was uh, on call that night. He, so. he prescribed vitamins for Brian. That's right. All right, guys, I'm not feeling good, so we're going to finish this round. And then we'll go to the hospital. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is a 120-minute IPA, man. I'm not throwing it out. Are you kidding? <laughs> but I had a I had a similar story with uh, one of the old CRTVs. Um, when I first moved into Prairie Creek Apartments, um, my parents uh, let me have their old uh, TV. And, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what Prairie Creek Apartments look like, but the stairs kind of do like one of those 180 things. And you have to, like, go to a landing and then go up another set of stairs. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You, you're familiar? So trying to get that TV up the stairs was a pain in the ass because, like, you had to do, like, a, you, it didn't fit, like, it didn't fit all the way. So you had to, like, tilt it and then pivot, 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 as the friends would say. Pivot! Um, <laughs> so we tried to get creative by, like, putting it half over the railing and sort of slide it, but I lost my uh, grip and down the TV went and I had to go get a, a Dynex TV the very next day. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Blue light special. <laughs> yeah, blue light special. <laughs> so was a car maimed or anything like that? No, no, no. It was the stairs were above like just the cement landing or whatever. Okay. There was no no cars were damaged in the making of this uh story man i would love to see what one of those tvs would do to a motor vehicle though if it hit like smack dab in the center of the roof you'd have a convertible i'd bet oh yeah 100 percent sure no doubt and the one thing i will say about the old tvs versus the new tvs is 10 bucks says the car wouldn't start but the tv would turn on yeah no kidding (laughs) probably yeah my uh when Color I was might in... be a little off, but it would turn <laughs> on. You'd, you'd have like a blown pixel right, or two. Right, right. When I was in college, um, we had a CRT TV and fairly standard like Magnavox, like normal TV. It wasn't like one in a big wood box or anything like that, um, but just like uh. a standard heavy gray plastic TV. And I remember we used to play a lot of video games on it. We had a, a PS1, a PS2, an N64, and an Xbox all hooked up to it with like a bunch of different adapters and things like that. And I remember one night we had been playing, um, I think we were on the PS2. There was a Sonic the Hedgehog um, collection disc that you could play. And we were yeah. playing one of the Sonic games. And then the TV just went out. It's like, well, what the hell? Well, I, okay, whatever. I guess we'll find something else to do. So we like plugged in an iPod, started listening to music. About, 45 minutes and a couple beers later, you know, the TV just turns on by itself. Um, the remote was on top of the TV so that it wasn't like anyone accidentally sat on it or something like that. The They're TV just turned here. on. Exactly. I felt like poltergeist. Exactly. Um, um, and we found out that there was some type of short in the TV. So it would just turn on and off periodically for about the next week before we finally got rid of it. But um, it was super creepy. And it would do it in the middle of the night very often. Um, of course. Did, did the little Japanese girl uh, climb out of the screen too? No, no. <laughs> 
before we went off on this long diatribe by CRTs, where I was going with this <laughs> is not a lot of people know that Nintendo dipped its feet into the arcade business. Uh, Nintendo actually manufactured three types of arcade machines that were specific to them. And are you guys familiar at all, like how most arcade cabinets work or the general gist of arcades as far as the manufacturing process? Uh, I'm I not thought I was until you asked that question. Now so I'm <laughs> there's the companies that make the blank systems and then the game manufacturers. So you have like the Capcom play system, which is, you know, that's not, it, it'd be oh, okay. like the equivalent of like, um, this is the type of council and the oh, company okay. that makes the arcade machines, they make a whole bunch of this council and then, you know, game publishers make games for that council. But instead of, Got you it. know, uh, well, in the case of uh, Capcom Play System, there actually were cartridges in them, and they would just change the cartridges out, change the marquee on the front of the machine, and, hey, now this uh, Metal Gear machine is now a Metal Slug machine, or hmm. so on and so forth. So Nintendo didn't want to publish their content on Sega Systems at that time, because at that time they were not feuding per se, but the Master System was out and Genesis was on the horizon. Yep. And uh, <laughs> they just didn't want to give their IP or run their IP on the, you know, the competing manufacturer's equipment. Because at the end of the day, Konami, Sega, Bandai made most of the arcade machines and they were open. Like, we'll play content from everyone. You make a game for it, you can buy a thousand of our machines. And that's why so many of those games, you'll see hundreds of them, because you can literally buy a machine, fix it up, put the cartridges in it and, you know, pop them all over arcades in America. So much like with Dr. Mario and Tetris with the Game Boy, Nintendo was like, well, we're going to make our own arcades so we can get into that market. So they came up with what they called the Verse Play System. That was their first one. Uh, they had the Play Choice 10. And then when uh, Super came out, they had the Nintendo Super System. So the Verse Nintendo... Um, they actually released the original Super Mario Brothers, um, Castlevania, and a handful of other titles. And they were actually, like, whatever the game was, they were called Verse. And the reason it was called Verse is they would put two machines side by side, similar to the Game Boy Link cable, and you were playing against the other person if you so chose. You could choose in the menu. Uh -huh. So, like, if you were playing the original Super Mario Brothers, it wasn't like you were playing Mario and you were playing Luigi. You were competing for the score, so you just kept playing. And then it just kept track of it. But that wasn't the case with every game. For Dr. Mario, they did a very similar approach to Tetris. So when you were uh, crushing viruses, for every virus you crushed, you were sending it to the other side, which is a little more redeeming than sending an entire block wall toward them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so in the arcade, it had a little bit more of a, I don't want to say resurgence, but as far as angry customers, there weren't as many around the Dr. Mario machine as there were around the Tetris machine. And for me, that was kind of my favorite version of the game because I just liked that it was casual and that um, you got to play it on the bigger screen because before I encountered it, I, I never had it for regular Nintendo or Super Nintendo. So I had it on the you know monochrome Game Boy. And then the right. first Nintendo was my first encountering of the uh, 
yeah of the uh dr mario game and then they released it for so play choice 10 which was nintendo's other arcade machine it was pretty cool it was essentially a nintendo board inside an arcade cabinet and it had like four or five games on it that you can choose and it would be all nintendo's greatest hits from that era and uh you popped a quarter in it and it's like okay you got 20 minutes of play time no score <laughs> no beat it it was just it was purely a timer and hmm. that was the play choice 10 and the play choice 10 were dual screens so at the they had like a top crt that you were convinced was going to drop out and fall on your head it's still kind of terrifying they were mounted in like a v-shape so there was the one you were looking down at and then the one the other people that could look up at that showed all the scores of the people that had played that machine and what level they had gotten to and what game. And then while uh-huh. you were playing the, you know, your Dr. Mario or Super Mario or whatever it was, uh, you were looking down at the kind of like a cocktail arcade machine style. And I absolutely hated those because for me, I made my bank in arcades by being good at the games. That's how you didn't spend money. And similar to the heart model in Dr. Mario World that Adam has, uh, you know, shown much to test for. That's how I feel about the Play Choice 10. Um, because essentially you're paying for time. And if I had anywhere else to go, I wouldn't be here. So, (laughs) (laughs) and then uh, the Nintendo Super System, which is kind of cool because the Nintendo Super System, if you can find one of those in the wild, you can actually take a Super Nintendo cartridge and jam it in there and play it. Whatever you want on the arcade. Really? Wow. Yep. It had like a cartridge port in it. Yeah, so essentially inside the machine, it has the arcade board. So basically an arcade, think of it like your parents' liquor cabinet with the one single shelf in the middle. Mm-hmm. You open it up, open up <laughs> the doors, and then on that single shelf is the arcade board. And then uh, it's essentially a open-air Super Nintendo, and the cartridge slot is there, and you just jam the cartridge on it, and it plays. That's oh. amazing. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, it... That's where I spent, unfortunately, way too much of my childhood. But I tell you all this to ask, what is your guys' favorite experience with Dr. Mario? Because that was mine. Well, my my favorite, I don't know if it's necessarily favorite, uh, because it led to a lot of um, arguments. But my, my uh, biggest memory is when I would play the two-player on Nintendo with my friend Justin. And we decided we wanted to put it all the way up to level... 20 with the highest virus count and it was just like insanity on a stick thus i said i can pinpoint the beginning of my anxiety to this experience and a lot of times it would end up because it was like a best wasn't if i remember right it was like a best two out of three or something like that or the first person to win to three yeah and it just it got as we got closer and closer and we were both pretty equal in our our gameplay so usually ended up being like we both had two wins before a winner was decided and it was just like shouting matches by the end of it because we were so highly competitive with the game um but i mean thinking back of it now like it it was a lot of fun but it was also just very stress inducing (laughs) (laughs) i get that uh, how about you, Adam? Do you have have you ever actually played Doctor Mario in its uh, truest form on the Game Boy, or were you a Nintendo or Super Nintendo person? I was a Nintendo uh, Super Nintendo oh, Super Nintendo person, 
until um, the Game Boy Color. So I never really played uh, Dr. Mario. I, I've seen it played, and I'm sure I probably maybe played for a little bit, but uh, I've never never even really got into those kind of games, like the Tetris and stuff like that, until a little later in life. So I, I don't think I've ever really played it, or if I have played it, it's probably been pretty minimal. Well, I know you're not going to play the mobile version, so maybe you'll have to go back and play the old one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to go ahead and skip that version. I, I'd like to keep my money. Fair. How about you, Brian? Yeah, same as Adam. I um, I never, I don't think I've ever played it on the Game Boy, um, but I, I did play it on the Super Nintendo, and I didn't own a Super Nintendo, so it was only at like friends' houses and stuff. So my my exposure is very limited to the game, but um, that little earworm, the like the song is is it's so catchy, and I I definitely remember that, and I definitely remember playing a lot and. At the time, I always thought games like this were lame because there wasn't like all of the crazy aliens and monsters and things like that. But when I started playing them, I couldn't stop playing them. Exactly. Um, so as a Sega Genesis owner, as a kid, I played Columns, which was kind of the Tetris knockoff that Sega made. Um, and it was like an old, like, I don't remember if it was Egyptian or Greek base, but it was basically like different jewels and stuff would fall. So it was almost like... The original oh, were Bejeweled, you, basically. <laughs> I, I know you're... T- yeah, like, is it the one where you could switch places with certain ones, or is that Bejeweled? Um, That's where, Bejeweled, where Bejeweled is what you're thinking That's, of. Okay, yeah. yeah, never mind. But, but yeah, so, but Columns was basically like Tetris or Dr. Mario, or later on, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, um, which I played a ton of. Um, but that's a whole other thing. We used to play that in college as a drinking game. That was really oh, fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but... Uh, but yeah, so my, my exposure with this game is, is pretty limited other than playing at friends' houses and stuff like that. I will say one of my, another like memory that was my favorite is watching the viruses like kicking and screaming when you cause them to disappear. Yeah. That, almost distra- <laughs> that was almost like more distracting for me trying to play the game because I would want to like watch at the point where they, where they disappear. And that sometimes distracted me, but I, I don't know why in my kid brain that was like super entertaining for me. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, but it's kind of funny with these. I don't know about you guys, but when I play these type of puzzle games, after a while, I sort of get numb to that type of stuff. Like I start to look dead center and I don't follow through with my moves as much. Like I'll send one, like I'll send the red pill to the left and then I'll already be looking for, you know, what's coming down the pipe. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you lose some of that, uh, you know, artwork and the craftsmanship that goes into it when you get, you know, you get deadened to it as you get better at the game because you're focused on all the little telltale signs, what's upcoming, what the other person is sure. doing in the two player. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I hadn't really thought about it in such a long time. Puzzle games were never like my strongest suit, so I think that's probably why like, I, <laughs> I got distracted by those very often because, you know, after, I don't know, about 20 minutes, I'd be like, blank this game and going home. <laughs> yeah, sadly, I played a lot of puzzle games. At Nickelodeon, it was like, we couldn't have Pac-Man, no, we had to have Mr. Do. You know, it was always like, this is close yeah. to the name brand, but off. Right, right. <laughs> It's like, oh, you want Tetris? What about Vetris? <laughs> <laughs> or Columns, or... <laughs> 
I did enjoy Columns, and Columns came on a, uh, it was a three-game platform, and I can't remember, there was a soccer game that came with it, I think it was called World World Cup Soccer or something like that, like something super generic, and then there was a racing game, and it wasn't pole position, but it was something equally Wasn't generic. it Grand Prix? It might be, yeah, I think it might be Grand Prix, yeah. So the one that had that horrible engine rev noise through the whole thing, and yep. you're just hey! like, ah! Yep, yep. <laughs> sounds like the thing I used to trim my nose hairs, yep. That, that's exactly, and it goes yep. the entire length of the race, <laughs> unless you hit the brake. Yep. <laughs> Who hits the brake in a racing game? It's like you own that car. <laughs> <laughs> so next gonna... time we're together, Brian, I'll drive. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I guess my one final memory, because I'm kind of out of things to specifically say about Dr. Mario, but uh, I always found it weird. And I'm curious your guys' thoughts on this. So Nintendo always took the quote-unquote safe approach when it came to paraphernalia and games. Uh, the best example that comes to mind is you guys remember playing Drug Wars in, uh, you know, middle school, high school on the calculator or on the PC? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So for those that don't know, the idea of Drug Wars is it's a simple math game. You are you have a debt that is owed to a drug dealer, and you have uh, a couple bucks in your pocket and a whole bunch of quaaludes, and you have to go from city <laughs> to city, uh, and in each city, you're looking for the best price for your wares, and you're buying and selling so that you can pay back your drug dealer and then start making money before you get arrested or killed. Interesting. It sounds like it would be horribly violent. Great game for the whole thing. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like it would be horribly violent, but it's really a text game. It is a math game. I will say the only reason I passed middle school algebra is because someone introduced me to drug wars. <laughs> now, did and you say that is did you not say an exaggeration? A, did you say a math game or a meth game? Both, but oh, I both. said okay. math. <laughs> Gotcha, so gotcha. Nintendo found this as another winning formula, but Nintendo wasn't going to put a game about selling drugs out on, uh, you know, out on the market. So they took the same game, even looked the same, and they called it the Wall Street Kid. So you were buying and selling <laughs> stocks. Oh, and the I remember menu that mapping and everything looked the same as it did for Drug Wars. But the, it, Nintendo had this kind of self-censorship. or like, well, we can't sell drugs to kids. Unless it's Mario. If Mario's giving you pills, <laughs> Mario's doing it. it's okay. You trust Mario. He's your friend. Now send me your visa number. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and I, I don't know why, but that always weirded me out. Uh, why is, you know, unlicensed Dr. Mario allowed to pill push, but uh, we can't teach middle Joe school Campbell's kids not. about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Um, yeah, because I remember the whole thing, because when we were kids, you used to get uh, cigarette ads in magazines and on the radio and in television. Oh, yeah. And one of the big things I think that kind of led to the end of that was, well, you have a cartoon camel that's selling cigarettes. That's clearly something that kids would be drawn to. It's kind of funny that Dr. Mario did not see a similar fate because those games still come out, um, as you mentioned, for for Android and, and iOS. I mean, Doctor Mario World came out what a year ago. Yep. So, <laughs> but but it's okay. They're vitamins. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's supplements, guys. <laughs> you can pick these up at GNC. <laughs> 
barbiturate free. <laughs> you, you, you know you're in trouble when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I've got a business deal for you. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> have, uh, have you guys ever heard the Dr. Mario song with lyrics? No. No. I was unfamiliar that was a thing. Yeah, it came out like in the early days of YouTube and someone did like a flash uh, animation video and wrote lyrics to the do 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 and it's uh I'll read you the lyrics until we get tired of reading them. Um <laughs> but it is uh I won't sing along with it cuz I can't remember all the rhythm specifically but it's I am Dr. Mario and I am saving lives. I look different in this game. I lost the hat, got a coat, Dr. Light, stethoscope. I am Dr. Mario. I prescribe high fives. Laughter's the best medicine, so bah ha 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 ha, you fell down. <laughs> in the Mushroom Kingdom, I'm the finest doc by far. I got a degree by watching House and Scrubs and ER. Brightly colored pills, pills. They'll cure all your ills, ills. Uh, just as long as you've got a f- fever or chills, cold. Take off your pants. Good, now let's see. Turn your head and cough. Okay, now you do me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Does it hurt to to pee? No. Is it hard to see? No. I'm diagnosing you with HPV. Aw. (laughs) And it it keeps going. Like, it keeps going and going and going. Um, It's really inappropriate for sure. Let's say that first. But it's also funny as hell. Um, (laughs) There's a really great part where uh, he does... uh, you got mononucleosis, halitosis, scoliosis, 15 days is my prognosis. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like Lin-Manuel Miranda type shit right there. Just a spit <laughs> fire, man. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that was my last thought on Dr. Mario. As I saw that video earlier today, I was like, I haven't seen this since like college. <laughs> well, uh, that was pretty much all I have, so... So, I guess that wraps up our discussion on Dr. Mario. Now we're moving on to Nostalgia Combat! Nostalgia Combat! I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will get to lead their chat next week. Adam has Happy Gilmore, Price is Wrong, and Brian... Bobby. Bobby. In the <laughs> TV version. In TV version. <laughs> and Brian has the Metal Gods, Judas Priest. You guys ready? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So in this uh, crazy wild episode where we talked equally as much about everything else as we did Dr. <laughs> Mario, <laughs> uh, a lot of the conversation kept circling back around to Tetris and Nintendo's desire to compete with their puzzle gamer. What year did the original Tetris release in the arcade? Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go with 1982. Okay. Uh, Bob, I'd like to go with 1983. Okay. You hoser. What do you think, Dan? <laughs> I was actually gonna, I was gonna guess my birth year, 84. Well, Adam nailed it right on the money. Uh, uh-oh. Let's 1983. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Adam bit my hand off. <laughs> <laughs> You know that Adam that got your hand? Well, I got his eye. (laughs) 
All right, so there you have it. I am the winner. <laughs> Guiding us through the land of Happy Gilmore next time. And Brian, the loser, <laughs> still has Judas Priest in his pocket. That's dirty. <laughs> and, now, we need to, <laughs> and now we need to visit the Hopper of Imagination to get Paul a new topic. We want to remind all our listeners that if there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss, you can submit those at our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. man all right paul so I, I know you know how this works but just for everyone listening i'm going to be uh I, i've selected three different topics all are from different categories i'm going to be sharing those categories with paul he'll let me know which one sounds best and from that i will assign topic accordingly sound good sounds good awesome so we have book series food and beverage and music artist Ooh, this is hard. Although, I feel like we just did a music artist. Yep, we have TLC one, was not that long ago, yep. And yep. we have one... When was the last time you guys did a book series? It's Animorphs? been a long time. I think it was Animorphs. Wow. Adam and his Animorphs, yep. That's I think right. Adam's the We're only one who's ever done here. book series, too, because he did Garfield, Animorphs, and there's one I'm forgetting. Harry Goose Potter? Goose Harry Potter, Goose that was the other one, Harry Potter, yep. Hmm... Can you, uh, so music group, book series, what was the other category? Food and beverage, your favorite. Food and beverage is my favorite. I am having flashbacks to Gushers. We have, <laughs> we've done music a lot recently. Ooh, I think I'm going to have to go with book series, which I think I'm going to regret because then I'm going to have to actually read. But, I think... <laughs> uh, that is going to be my, uh, that's my final choice. Please be a book I... series I've heard of. I think you'll actually really enjoy reading these because they're mostly pictures. Um, your book series is The Magic School Bus. There's a Magic School Bus book series? That's what it started from before the PBS series. Yep. I was not aware of that. Wow. Oh, my gosh, guys. Where were you on Scholastic wow. Book Fair Day? Come on. Well, I, I, was yeah, over, I, I was over with the Animorphs. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, this, Goosebumps yeah. <laughs> Goose stories baby. to tell in the dark. That's right. Well, Ooh, well Wayside Stories. Ooh, oh, there you go. Wayside Stories. Uh, well, Magic School, Bus, Magic School Bus is basically like like Little Critters or Adam's favorite Bairdstein Bears. Um, <laughs> Bairdstein Bears. Bairdstein. I did that on purpose, you little uh, love bunny. Um, uh, so uh, oh the Magic School Bus is similar to that, where there's maybe 20 words a page and mostly artwork, and it's them. Wait, now you're telling me it's the Magical School Bus? Yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> the Magical School Bus. <laughs> yeah, it's the Magic School Bisque, actually. It's all about soup day in the cafeteria. Soup day. <laughs> <laughs> ah, we're having corn bisque in the cafeteria. Great. It's magical. Oh, to the school bus. Well, I will, all I right, mean, lobster bisque day. I love seafood. I don't know where you went to school. Man, lobster bisque for school. Um, well, I will do Miss Frizz Zell proud, but I have one request. Yes, I would like Brian to seem, th sing the theme song in our next episode of the television show, even though we're not talking about it. 
I will have to go back and listen to it because I remember the get on the magic school bus. School <laughs> but I gotta I gotta remember how the rest of it goes. So no, I want you to just do it in, live from you memory. Can just forget about it now. <laughs> do your best from memory. We'll make it up as we go. Yeah, it's gonna be like partially reading Rainbow and partially <laughs> Bill Nye, <laughs> but also Magic School Bus. <laughs> it's in a bus, book, bus, Bill bus. Nye the Sky Hands Guy. <laughs> bus, 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 bus. <laughs> All <right>. Magic rules. <laughs> All right, Adam, Adam wins the podcast today. <laughs> yes! Let's go. You get that raise. Uh, and we have a Ooh. we have a pizza party coming a very soon. Twenty percent raise on zero. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a meme earlier today, and I'm trying to remember the exact wording, but it was something like, uh, "When was the last time your boss showed you recognition, and what kind of pizza was it?" Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, thank you all so much for joining us on Dating Ourselves. Be sure to check in in two weeks. Where Adam will be discussing Happy Gilmore, and in future episodes, Paul will be discussing the Magic School Bus book series, and I will be discussing Judas Priest. Uh, before we get on to our normal housekeeping and sign-off, uh, thank you again, Dan, for joining us. Glad to hear that you had no um, false encounters or um, run-ins with Poison Ivy on your camping trip, and uh, definitely come back to join us anytime. Absolutely. Close encounters of the rashy kind. Yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> At least it's better than trying to do it with a pine cone. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's true. Pine, pine <laughs> cone's not so bad as long as you go the right direction. Yeah, don't go against the grain. <laughs> don't go against the grain. Uh, well, thanks again, everyone in Internet Land, for joining us on Dating Ourselves. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. You can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And you can check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can also send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've got mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, as Google Music is coming to an end, sad face, and wherever podcasts are downloaded, please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback shit. That's right. You can even share information about us in your AIM Away message. That would be great. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at Dating Ourselves Podcast, and we do the Twitter thing to at Dated Podcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Bye, guys. Bye. See you. Bye, everybody. Bye.